Welcome to Two For None, your favourite cricket comedy podcast. My name is Patrick Cullen and I'm here with the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Barty. It's 4-zip, baby. That's an Ashes victory to us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is, Pat, but who did we beat? <laughs> <laughs> you know, who did we beat? Uh, well, we beat England, literally. Uh, perhaps a shell of um, England's former self. Um, although this is <laughs> the second time that they've come to Australia and lost... Uh, 4-0 of course you remember 2017-18 I lost 4-0 4-0 again um, vividly Chris vividly I remember in fact they were one wicket short of losing 5-0 if we're all honest quite right Pat quite right and uh, then obviously 2010-11 they had a serious victory here in Australia but then prior to that in 06-07 uh, mm. they lost 5-0 uh, so look it's been a bit rough uh <laughs> It's been a bit it's rough. Been, They're not. It's been a bit rough. So, Chris, it's been I've, a bit rough. I've watched a lot of commentary and a lot of uh, punditry uh, extolling, you know, what a poor preparation this has been, an exceptionally poor preparation this has been for the English team. Um, however, there does seem to be perpetually poor preparation for the English when they come to Australia. So perhaps this time we might see uh, something uh, come out of uh, the post-mortem. Well, they, they did have a big post-mortem after their last 4-0, Chris, and, and I think it was um, Andrew Strauss put together a report of things that they needed to do, things like um, make their pitches flatter in county cricket, maybe even use the Kookaburra ball, like really uh, develop new talent that can bowl over 140 clicks. And it seems as if none of those things were taken <laughs> into, into, into account. None of those things were done yeah. um, in the intervening years, and it shows, mate. And, and like you sent around this article, Chris, um, from the Telegraph in the UK, a real inside look behind the curtain of the of the English tour. And it sounds like even more of a disaster behind the scenes than than you know actually on the pitch. And let's be honest, the on the pitch wasn't so great. Um, you know, in the in the last game, which we we're going to talk about, they essentially lost the ten for fifty odd. Um, in, in a calamitous sort of uh, second session on, on the third day and, and you know, yeah. really fell apart at the seams, Bardo. But this, this article has been a, a damning indictment of, of English cricket and this particular tour. It, you know, shambolic, it's labelled as a shambolic collapse of a tour littered with contenders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, boy. They didn't miss, did they? No, the Telegraph was really, really on the nose there. And look, like, I've seen some stuff since, Chris, and, and something I'm going to be interested to talk to you about once we've heard both of our lots of tapes from our um, English correspondent Tom Hawkey and our Aussie correspondent Alex Spinks today, is, is, is this question, are Australia actually as good as we think they are? Um, or is it just that England was so bad that we've, made to be, we've been made to look really good in comparison this mm. is the this is the big question, Chris. Do you have any early thoughts on that? Look, I think it's probably a little column A, a little column B. I think there is sufficient talent in this Australian side. I don't think there's any concerns about that. Uh, and the quartet of Stark, Lyon, Cummins, Hazelwood uh, is as good as any bowling uh, 
quartet, if you like, going around in world cricket. And that's proven by the fact that, you know, in the 2017-18 Ashes, the top wicket takers were Cummins, Stark and Hazelwood. Uh, now, in this series, the top wicket takers were Cummins, Stark and Boland. Most likely, it would have been Hazelwood had he been fit. But I think what that shows is that through stability, we've been able to generate depth, in particular, a part, part of our, our, um, you know, our team bowling. makeup, if you like, mm. which, is, which yeah. is exciting. And in our batting, if you look at the last uh, Ashes lineup of the kind of the top run scorers, I think the top three from memory were Steve Smith, Sean Marsh, and possibly David Warner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, in our current lineup, now you would say you would probably acknowledge that Warner and Smith perhaps didn't have the runs that you would expect of them normally, such as they are their high standards. And Sean Marsh, as we know, continues to ply his trade for the Melbourne Renegades actually today. Yeah, yeah, smashing them, sauce. But what we do see is some consistency there in the makeup of, of the team over a long period of time. And those guys are still clearly really reliable performers for the Australian side. And again, through consistency, we've been able to build depth because if we look at the top run scorers for this series, you know, we've got the likes of Head, Labashain, and Kawaja. Now, Kawaja played the last series making 100 at the SCG in the fifth test. But again, mm-hmm. we've got some guys that are making runs that weren't there last time. And Kawaja being 35, hypothetically, you know, if he wasn't to play, there's still guys behind him that could come in and do a job. Now, I don't think there's as much depth in our batting clearly as there is in our bowling, but I do think that we are, through sustainability, being able to build some depth. And I think that in light is the is the key. And there's also an interesting thing, Pat, where I think if we look at the most recent tours of, uh, say, for example, the T20 World Cup, you know, the basis of the team that won the T20 World Cup was essentially the basis of the team that won the Ashes, you know, yeah. Smith, uh, Warner were part of that side, Cummins, Cummins Stark, Stark, Hazelwood were part of that side. And yep, there were some minor tweaks and changes. So you, su- you sub in Zampa, say for Lyon, you sub in uh, Wade for Carey sure. uh, and one or two others. Mitch Marsh is probably the, the notable um, uh, and Aaron Finch the is probably Green. the, the yep. notable notabilities. But, you know, the foundations of the team are essentially the same. The nucleus of the team is essentially the nucleus the same. The nucleus of the team is, is, is essentially the same. Whereas, and if you look at the English side, there's a lot of similarities there as well. The likes of Butler, Wokes, Bairstow. Uh, so I don't necessarily buy the fact that the T20 World Cup you know, led to a poor build-up. I do think there's a case you made for cabin fever uh, and everyone getting a bit of you know, bubble fever, if you like, and getting sure. sick of each other. That's fair enough. And not getting enough practice out in the middle. Particularly, you know, we know the only warm-up game they had was at uh, Ian Hilly Oval, which by all accounts yeah. wasn't suitable for, you know, high performance. Uh, well, no, Chris, the scoreboard had stopped working the and they were unable to film it. And by all accounts, they were just like random blokes after they got out were just going back out like they were WG Grace. You know, 100%. it sounded like a real yeah. schmozzle. So the, I do I do agree that like, the practical preparation probably wasn't that great. I'm not sure necessarily that the white ball is to blame entirely for the red ball problems yeah I think I think it's been fair to say out of all the chat that's come out of it that England's problems go a lot deeper than than just the white ball um, 
Yeah, and, and there were so many elements in this series which were just a disaster for them. But at the same time, our players capitalized on that, you know, to especially in this final test. There was, there was moments in this final test, Chris, where you and I were genuinely concerned that England might be able to do it. Like you were, you were texting, thinking it was going to be three one, baby. That this was the this the time was here, the time was now, um, and and it all fell apart so rapidly. There's been some sensational memes since too. Ian Botham on commentary was saying how comfortable he was, and then two wickets later, um, James Brayshaw yelled at him, "Have some of that beef." <laughs> <laughs> Beefy uh, put his headphones down and walked out of the box and didn't come back. <laughs> so, <laughs> that gives a little bit of a summation of where the entire English psyche was. You know, having the rug just ripped underneath them so powerfully. Oh, mate. Like I said last time, you know, there was a dear, there was a serious part of me that felt a bit sorry for them this series. They just really looked bad. Um, yeah. And, and you were doing some research, Christian. You were looking at the last season, the last season, the last Ashes in Australia, which was also 4 0, as we mentioned. Mm. And the scorecards in that had, had a quite a few similarities that. It was, but it seemed at least then that the Englishmen could bat. They got scores over three hundred, yeah. over four hundred, a couple of times. Yeah. Um. And and that persistence on on we will say very different pitches. I mean, the pitches this year were nuts. But, um, you know, it it shows a real different character to a side. This year was a complete. It was collapse on collapse on collapse. Chris, it was like living on a fault line. It was it was really touch and touch and go. Yeah, absolutely. Look, and I think if we look at the players that scored runs for. England in the last Ashes series here in Australia, at least, you know, Johnny Bairstow, David Milan, and uh, Alistair Cook. Were ben a, Stokes got a hundred. Ben Stokes got a hundred. Uh, Joe Root batted okay uh, throughout the series. So you know, obviously Alistair Cook's retired, but again, the, the nucleus is there. It's the same guys. Uh, yeah. You know, you know roughly um, who's going to be making the runs for you. So it's, it is interesting, and I think obviously they've got a, a lot to think about. But I think clearly over a long period of time, with the exception of one, you know, fairly phenomenal England side in, in 2010-11 that probably caught Australia at a period of transition, their ability to tour Australia is it has been poor. Now, Australia made several changes uh, over the past couple of Ashes tour, including introducing, introducing the, the Duke ball. Uh, yep. You know, more players took pride, I suppose, in, in, in taking up county contracts so i'm pretty confident yeah. for example travis head is is an, is an example of someone that has taken up a county contract so labashane famously labashane so you know you've got guys that are actually going actively how do we then play in these conditions whereas england aren't uh, either a they're not afford first of all a they're not afforded that opportunity because we as i understand don't permit in current england internationals to play sheffield shield cricket and i do believe that the ceo of the ecb actually sent a politely worded letter to cricket australia requesting that english players really? be able to participate in the sheffield shield to which i think we will politely decline <laughs> i just can't see how that happens and i mean i would love to see that though chris i would love to see some south african players and some 
English players. I mean, it'll be taking a spot away from Australia. Yeah. But I think one and or two in the side could be really interesting. Look, I think it would be interesting. I think the challenge is, though, you know, I think, what is that, 18 English counties? There's an insane number of English counties. Oh, yeah, stupid. So there's a lot of... Uh, opportunities to, to get well there's opportunities to give international players a run simply to lift up the standard of the competition whereas in the Sheffield Shield it's clearly really tightly guarded you know at six teams if you were going to look at bringing in international players I think you'd have to move to, to, to a club-based system like we see in the in the BBL but I just can't see there being the appetite for that so steep in tradition is is the Sheffield Shield yeah, but that right. does kind of you know bring you back to the point and kind of go okay well if that's not an option available to us, well, what is an option available to us and, and how do we create more opportunities to play in environments where we're going to be touring? And that's where you think about things like the England Lions team, you know, where potentially they've got to have a crack at the groundsman and think, look, you know, do, how do we create conditions that are similar to, to what we're going to be facing? You know, do they mm. play with a crook, uh, with a, a kookaburra ball, God forbid, yeah. um, for a little while? All these things I think need to be on the table for them to, to have a look at and I'm sure they will. But a fantastic analysis, sir. Lovely to lovely to chat to you about this, and I'm excited to talk more. Um, before we do, uh, starting tomorrow, Chris, in exciting news, starting tomorrow, and I know you'll be watching it because you've just worked out how to put KO on your PlayStation, so you are going to be cricket heavy for the future. Um, but the Women's Ashes starts tomorrow, Chris. The Women's Ashes starts tomorrow. It's a multi-format series. We've got uh, three T20s, then a test, and then three one-dayers. Um, and it's all to play for. Um, and I had a big chat to Heidi Cheadle, our very own Hides, um, to give us a little bit of a insight into uh, the, the preparations for that, which have been very interrupted, Chris. Um, COVID, broken jaws, it's all been happening. All been happening. Really looking forward to this. It's uh, going to be a very exciting series and uh, great to have Heidi back on the pod. Super exciting. Love to have Heidi back. Speak of the lady, here she is. This is my chat with Heidi Cheadle from a little earlier on. Hello. Hi. Sorry, Hi. pal. It took me a little moment to get my life together there, but I've got it together, Hides. I'm bloody recording. I've got you plugged into the right channel. I did it all. You're a champion. I've always <laughs> known that. I've just I've just finished making this song, Heidi, for this bet that I lost with Tom Hawkey with the pod. And it's it's as you'd expect from me, it's a little much. Um You know. <laughs> you know, it's remarkable how consistent I am in being a little over the top, Hides. I'm just <laughs> consistently I'm just consistently that little ten percent extra, I think, and uh, I've really, I've really acclimatized to that. How are you, my friend? I saw you were down in bloody Canberra doing a coaching clinic. Um, yeah, no. So I, I was in Canberra, and then last week I was in Orange. Orange hides. What, what yeah. took you out there? Was that with Gordon? Yeah, it was this sort of development fifteens um, cricket carnival, and it was sort of uh, mostly Gordon, but a few people from around the the area which is awesome because those other teams don't actually have sort of a senior pathway so hopefully some of those kids can come over to Gordon because it was such a great week it was really really a lot of fun any talent hides I saw you whipping the whipping the bales off doing some uh, stumpings and extra bits of business there <laughs> look one does what one count <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, actually, like a lot. Like these kids are very smart cricket. It was, it was honestly, I, I had no expectations, and so I was blown out of the water. 
Hines, I love that for you, mate. I, I love that for you. And but of course, we've got the women's ashes starts tomorrow, Heidi. Three three T twenties, and it sounds as if preparation has been a little on the scattered side. Um, I was just hearing then that Elise Perry is currently a close contact. Katie Mack and Molly Strano are both confirmed COVID cases. Um, and there's been a whole bunch of similar issues in the English squad. Oh, it sounds like things are Mooney a nightmare. Beth copping a ball to the jaw. Yeah, the number one T20 batter in the world copping a ball to the jaw. Oh, my God. I I just, like, firstly, ouch, right? Like, <laughs> like, oh, my God. And then I saw, like, a bit of footage and, like, she was obviously icing it. Um, and then underneath the ice was this mad cut. Man, jaw, it just sounds like... No, no, thank you. So, but I also feel like I look at her and I'm thinking, like, you're a trooper. Like, there's no part of you that's going to be missing this if you can avoid it. Yeah, completely. Um, so, hopefully her surgery's all good and she's okay. But I would say the T20, like, definitely tomorrow. She's got to give it a miss, right? Surely. Hides. There's no you way. You, you you can, I think she's you getting think. operated on as we speak. To, and, yeah. And, yeah. like, if you can come out of a general anesthetic and then get out <laughs> in the field and, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Bat, yeah. <laughs> Open the batting for Australia, and you are a serious <laughs> operator. And, and let's be honest, like, Beth Mooney is a serious operator. But I she think is. Even you can for, see in her eyes. That might even be a stretch, like a bridge too far for Beth. You know, like that's some that's oh. some pretty punchy content, mate. And yeah, also wild is the fact that Elise Perry is looking like she might be, even if she does make it down the game tomorrow that she might be squeezed out of the side anyway because of the return of Rachel Haynes and performances by Talia McGrath that means there might not be a place for her I mean is does that oh, seem that, legit to you that seems a bit cheeky I feel like there's always a place for Elise Perry <laughs> <laughs> I although, mean, although maybe maybe not necessarily in the T20 game mm. you know who might have talked badly about Elise Perry but um I don't know maybe I feel like her strike rate's not been super great in the whole T20. I feel like that's been a bit of a discussion topic. I mean, she's only human, but... Well, allegedly, it hides. Allegedly, she's only human. We have have no proof of that, but... (laughs) Just making making big, outstanding statements. So, look, she averages 27 with the bat in 2020, which is, you know, pretty solid, and has a strike rate of 105, which... which Oh, look. I mean, it's not... I mean, Hudson, you and I would kill for that strike rate. We'd, we would murder for it. But I guess for where the women's team's at at the moment, like Talia McGrath's hitting them at 134. So, I mean, that's pretty bloody sensational, isn't it? I don't know. I'm so pleased that Talia McGrath got the, um, got the call. She had such a cracking season. And, in fact, I've actually had so many regrets, Pat, since our last conversation. I literally just thought and thought and thought. My biggest regret is not mentioning how brilliant Alana King was in BBL and now Ring Ring got the call up <laughs> we love it we love that <laughs> could you imagine oh would you like to play Ashes uh yeah uh yes, yes please I would. I would I would enjoy that so, that would be great like honestly I haven't I've never met her I don't know a thing about her but I'm so delighted for her we love to see it I mean, mate, a while back, um, Talia McGrath as well, a while back, rolling the clock back, wasn't she player of the series against India? She had a she had a great time out last time we were looking at Oh, man, at she did. She was just doing bat and ball, wasn't it? She was killing it. What, a, what an absolute She's gun. really, yeah, she must be sort of like, just like 
her best self right now. <laughs> like captaining, sorry, captaining the strikers in her first BBL, like to the final. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, that's that's nuts. Hard. You go, girl. That you is go, girl. that is hands down nuts. So, my friend, quickly turning over the page, so to speak, and just just thinking about England, um, they've got the amazing Heather Knight, who we love and we're very, very we appreciative yep. of. Um, yep. uh, Tammy Beaumont is another name that springs to mind for them as, as a yep. player to watch. Anybody else, Hyde, who you think is worth keeping well, an eye out for England? I feel like Sophie Eccleston is, if she's not, I'm pretty sure she's the number one spinner, isn't she? Like, yeah. I don't want to say in the world, do I? But definitely England, right? Uh, definitely England, but she's up there in the world like, rankings she's up too. There. I'll have to pull yeah. that up to have a look. But yes, Hides, she's, yeah. she's definitely up yeah. there. Do you reckon they've got a shot, Hides, the Poms? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Um, Come so, on, look, I, I'm, I'm feeling like a, a one-all in the T20 and then Australia takes the cake. That's kind of where I'm where I'm at with it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, look, anything can happen. We say this all the time, anything can happen. Um, but talk to me, is Jones keeping? I haven't actually had a little look at her at their team yet. Um, Let me bring up hides the, the Amy. I mean, we list. love Amy Jones, but I feel like she's yet to fully, fully fire. So, you know, maybe today, maybe this is a tournament or maybe not. But just while... Just while you're confirming, yep. I will say that one of my most favorite things is going to North Sydney Oval and watching my gals do their thing, play the greatest sport in the world for a little earn. And whoever decided, you know what, let's go to Adelaide. I'm here to, I just want them to know. Take it personally. I'm pissed. Hides, I can on the hill, cider on the hill. Psych, you don't have to watch it on the telly. Whatever. I can confirm the only keeper that they've bought for the T20s is Amy Ellen Jones, um, who who looks like oh, she's been pretty damn... She's been pretty solid touch. She scored a 40 and a 60 against the New Zealanders in the couple of ODIs, like in the... Oh, good on recently. her. So that, that's been pretty good. In January oh, this year, she's her. got a lot of like nine zeros, threes, and and 15s. So in sort of the, the warm-ups um, for this. So maybe not as hot. And flows, right? And, and flows. flows. But also, as we saw in the men's ashes, like a big issue that English players have is adjusting to the vertical bounce. You know, it's it's a big deal. And how they're able to do that is going to really determine their success, I reckon. You make a good point. I'm not just a hat well, rack, I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, but also, I think the English kind of worked out the whole bouncer system a little quicker than we did. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, but that look, that's neither here nor there. And, and maybe that's why you need an Elise Perry, because she can bowl a bit of heat. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And and even thinking back to Beth Mooney, mate, like surely if if she walks out, surely the first thing the Poms do is dig a few in and try and take oh, her face God. off. Like you'd you'd have you'd be morally obligated to, wouldn't you, if you were a fast bowler? I well, yeah, I don't know. I feel like yeah, I just like that's so brutal. But <laughs> is that what they would do? Like, is that like I know the men would like I know that would I know that's happened. 
I mean, it's no, what I, like I would do, Hides, but I unfortunately <laughs> can't bowl fast enough to get a ball above about waist high. So, um, oh, don't tell yourself. Hey, short. look, I'm sometimes, short. sometimes shoulder, sometimes shoulder heights. I'm sure men's eighth grade, you get going. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely get going, Hides, just with uh, not much venom, unfortunately. Um, so, Frendo, <laughs> we've got three T20s, right? Um, tomorrow, yeah. bloody Saturday, Sunday, and then Thursday next week, we've got Test starting yeah um obviously yes. you know tests aren't played anywhere nearly regularly enough for the women's game but I know, I know. um any thoughts from you Hans? just like you know we, we think those tests the the bloody 2020s are probably going to come out one all probably two one australia but looking forward to that test match hides can you see england being able to get up and hold it together over five days i i don't know i do you know what? I don't really think about England. I just think we're great. And <laughs> like I look, we love Heather Knight, and we want her to do well. Mm. Um, Nat Cyber, she's very, very, but, very good. Oh, oh, Siva, yeah, man, she. Apologies, Siva, yeah. Yeah, but do you know what? It's it just it's it's kind of hard because, like you said, that because there's not a lot of Test cricket, it's hard to sort of pick up and remember trends and things like that and how mm. it all goes. Obviously, we remember Ellie's Perry getting two hundred. Um, and celebrate twice, God help her. See it um, into our brains for the rest but, um, of our lives, Hutt. Yeah, oh, I know, poor thing. Um, but hey, if I could get 200 and celebrate twice, I absolutely would. I mean, you would. Um, you would. You 100% <laughs> would. Um, but I think, and I think what, I mean, certainly from my perspective, but, you know, and in just the world in general, women's cricket is so good, great, excellent, competitive. Mm. Um, and we all love Test cricket, and I think there's just a far greater appreciation for cricket in general across all formats. That I think the fact that there is more Test cricket coming, like they're able to play, you know, once or twice. Mm. I just think it's such a great thing for everyone. I think the players appreciate it, and I think the fans appreciate it, and they're just happy to see, you know, more women's cricket on television for longer. And yeah, I just think yeah, it's. I've... Uh, yeah, I just think it's it's so good, and you know, Monica Oval is so slick and not not too far away, and I just think that would be such an amazing experience for all of them. I, I feel like they'd be chomping at the bit, to be honest. Like baggy green on, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me up with one. Hides, <laughs> uh, are you going to get down there, mate? Are you going to go take a little drive down to Canberra and and see if you can lay an eyeball on it? I I might lay one or two balls on it for the one day. Yeah. It's yeah. a day nighter. You know how we feel about day nighters. Oh, we love day nighters. I love a day nighter. So that's kind of that's sort of that's the plan. Um, and look, let's do it. That's the plan. I need yeah. to get my eyeball on my gals. Hell yeah. Hides, hell yeah. And look like, I think if they're able to field full teams and not have the amount of COVID disruptions that it looks like, you know, that that it's causing a lot of problems. Heather Knight was quoted this week as saying that preparations have been pretty average. So uh, there's been some schedule changes for them. There's been a lot of disruptions. So I'm really hopeful, Hides, they can overcome all of that and bloody um, and bloody put on yeah, a great show. Like we, we want a good contest, don't we? Absolutely. And, and we're all human and you feel for them. Like, you know, obviously taking the ashes the way the men did, it was kind of like, oh, RIP England, so sorry. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you want to you wanna see a bit of contest 
and and you know if preparations have been interrupted then that's going to play that might play a role but also they're you know incredible athletes and they, i'm sure they've done lots of preparation for things like this because mm. it's not like covid's come out of nowhere totally. um but it also it could do a bunch of stuff it could throw you know what the australians think they're going to get out of the game too you know you never know mm. so i think i think yeah and and test cricket and i mean cricket in general is such a mind game isn't it oh, so i just huge. it's just on the best in the best way sort of <laughs> so i think whatever happens we're lucky it can go ahead and we love the game and go australia <laughs> 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 well, Hides, I couldn't agree with that bloody more, mate. I couldn't agree with that bloody more, and, and I really hope it all goes to hell for him, and I really hope Beth Mooney's jaw's okay. Poor kid. Oh, likewise. Far out. That is yeah, just the worst possible likewise. thing. Yikes. And, yeah, I was going to say, Yikes. you know, as, as a bloke watching Joe Root get hit in the nads about nine times across those five tests, <laughs> I thought that was probably the most pain you could endure on a cricket field, and then I watched the video of Beth Mooney getting her jaw broken, oh. and I went... No, no, that's definitely the worst. That, that take the cake, yeah. <laughs> that, that definitely takes the cake. That is, that is yeah, no good. I, uh, I don't know, but yeah, that's. Look, she's a tough cookie. We love her for it. Hell yeah, hides. Um, my friend, I will give you another call next week, and we'll check in and see how all these T20s have rolled out, and we'll have a bit of a chat Absolutely. about all of that business. And um, in the meantime, we'll just expect the the Aussies just to roll them, huh? Just keep on rolling them. That's just what we do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No girls. Go girl. 710. Do not miss it. Do not miss it, folks. Tune in. Thanks, Heidi. You're the best. You're the best. See you, Big thanks to Heidi Cheadle. What a bloody legend. Bardo, how's that? Beth Mooney copping a ball in the chin, getting a broken jaw a couple of days out. Holy dooly. Fearsome stuff. Well, fearsome stuff, Pat. You know, no no one likes that, obviously, and you know, terrifying that it uh, could happen on the eve of an Ashes series, but so confident. Are we of the women's team and such is the depth of the Australian women's cricket team at the moment that we could probably cover it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, a couple of players getting COVID, Beth Mooney copping a ball in the jaw. Yeah, it's sure. We're, we're basically coming out of that being like, yeah, it's not ideal. We're still but okay. You know, I think we're probably still going to do all right. Any country that has the likes of Grace King and not Grace King, Grace Harris and Elise um, mm. Villani in their second team uh, can feel pretty- <laughs> confident about what's happening so i'm ex- i'm excited to see this uh, the other person i'm excited to see play is alana king mm. the young spinner from wa yeah, had a magnificent bbl competition i think it's gonna be great to see her on the international stage and just goes to show for those senior players in the team you cannot rest on your laurels because the development yep. system is starting to produce the goods yeah, and as, as Heidi said, she, you know, she was out there in, in Orange just a little while ago doing a, 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 a clinic with some players. And, mate, the talent coming through in the youth level is, is really high as well. So uh, I think our, the women's game in Australia is going to be a real strength for us for quite a long time. And, and honestly, Chris, I pity the fools um, that have to come out here and play us in our own conditions. Um, it's going to be a bad time for them. It's gonna, they're going to be... <laughs> yeah, a real bad time. Speaking of real bad times, do you want to hear from Tom Hawkey? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Um, do you want to go Hawkey or Spinks first, mate? Which way would you like to go around this? Uh, no, look, I think we need to hear from Tom. I, I think whilst our spirits are high, our energy levels are up, mm-hmm. I think we need to use some of those credits. 
I feel like this is going to be a tear tearjerker, mate. I'm, I'm just, it's going to be very grim. Grey, yeah. I think. If it was, was going to be a colour, it would be grey. <laughs> I think I think you're very right, Chris. Uh, let's just strap in here, folks. This is Tom Hawking, our English correspondent, with a bulletin from a Brit regarding the uh, fifth test lost. <sighs> Dear I, Grey, England. Look, I really think you need to sit down before I say all this. I think we need to take a break. Recently, I've been considering seeing other more exciting teams, Bangladesh, for example. But what we had was just too special to throw away, so I really think a break would be the best for both of us. On my side, I need to reconsider my optimism. I mustn't put so much pressure on your shoulders. Every time there's a glimmer of a chance you might do well. Think of Sydney. My optimism nearly cost you that draw at the end. And then, oh, then came Hobart. You put on that 68-run opening partnership. That was the highest from either side across the series. See, you've still got it in you. But from that promising start, you just couldn't take the pressure of expectation I heaped on you. And you lost 10 wickets for 56 runs. <laughs> you could have won. But instead, you threw it all away. So look, I'll agree to lower my expectations of you in the future. But on your part, you're going to have to change to... You really need to do some work on yourself. Like, <laughs> not dropping 17 chances and taking three wickets off no balls across a series. Think about it. That's 20 wasted wickets. That's a test match's worth. Oh, sorry, Tom. Sorry, this is brilliant. I'm loving every minute of it, Chris, but I just had to pause him there. A whole test match worth of wickets they dropped yeah. or were disallowed because of no balls. Yeah. That is a devastating statistic. Incredible, isn't it? 20 wickets. 20 wickets. And when was the last time England actually took 20 wickets in a test match? <laughs> it's been a long time. Long, long time. But there's A long, long, lonely, lonely time. Yeah. Chris, that is a damning, damning stat. You're just not going to win games. You're just not going to win them. Well, certainly not if you give them back. <laughs> Tough. I'm going back to Tom here. We've got to get back in the mood. The batting. Oh, man. The batting. Only two guys averaged over 30 and oh. 10 averaged less than 20. Oh. It's almost criminal. It's like we're looking for two different things. I see myself following a team who might win the odd overseas test match here and there. See, I'm not being greedy. I just hate being crushed every single time. But you, you seem happy to just turn up and let the games pass you by. You almost seem to enjoy punishing yourself. Like when you twice let Australia back in the game, despite having them four for 83 and six for 63. You didn't even care about mopping up that tail, did you? <laughs> yeah, we've had some good times though, right? I mean, remember Cookie's 766 runs in 2010? Mm. Or Broad's 8 for 15 in 2015? Oh. Or Stokes in 2019? Mm. Bloody great memories. We'll always have those. But they also serve to show just how far you've drifted. I mean, compare them to Hamid's 80 runs in 8 innings. Or Burns being bowled by the first ball of the series and then getting worse from there. Or the team not passing 200 six times 
and never passing 300 at all. You're just not the same team I fell in love with all those years ago. I would be lying if I used that old cliche of it's not you, it's me, because it really is most definitely you. <laughs> but this isn't goodbye forever. If you show me you've changed, I mean truly changed, and you actually remember how to bat or pick the right bowlers for the conditions or not let your fast bowlers run off to play golf three days before a test match or, you know, show a modicum of fight when you've got a sniff of winning a test match, maybe, maybe I can see a way back for us. But the, the thing is... Oh, who the hell am I kidding? I love you. I always love you and I'm sticking with you no matter what. Look, I'll see you in the West Indies in March and, and you know what? I don't even care how you do. You just be you. Forever yours, Tom K. Hawkey. Ah, <laughs> oh, uh, the hook. Sensational. It's good to know he's going to have a life partner, you know, outside of his wife, of course. You know, sure. Alongside his wife, we should say. And child. And child. You know, he's got, he's got three great loves. Wife, child, and the English cricket team, even though they're terrible. You know? <laughs> yeah, one of those things is terrible. Yes, um, but uh, yeah, agree, agree. Lots of stuff there though from TK, mate, and and pretty honestly, Chris, like when the piano music was playing, that's that's some sad statistics. That'll get there's yeah. some real, real painful stuff. You know, it was an absolute rolling down in Hobart, Chris. You know, they really did collapse so profoundly on that on the third day. Like Rory Burns and and Zach Crawley put on this big partnership. You know, they they. They're there on two for 82 by the time David Milan's um, just walked away from the crease. And then all of a sudden they completely fall apart and lose the rest of their wickets for about 50 odd runs. And they're all out for 124, mate. A rolling, yeah, well, Chris. You know, a rolling. Just goes to show, like you brought up the 2015 Ashes there and, and Trent Bridge, was that it? Where we got rolled for 60? Yeah. Yeah. So look. The proof will be in the pudding when Australia goes to England in 2023, which is only a year away, Pat. Only a year away. What? Cra- We're going to England for the Ashes next year? Crazy. I think so. That's, that's so wild. Must be right. COVID is so wild. I think that's right, isn't it? I mean, that's going to be, mate, like here we are being able to sit on top of our high horses and gloat about this. And, and look, I'll, I'll say at this juncture as well that Tom and I had a bet. Chris, Tom and I had a bet at the start of this about the the ultimate number of runs that would be scored, and I guessed an outrageously high number, and I lost. And the the uh, the prize for losing the bet was that I had to do a my final rap for the series mm. in song form. And Chris, I have done the song, and it's ready to be played. I'm going to play it at the end of the episode. But it is four minutes of me on my high horse, gloating like you wouldn't believe. But uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> And, and listen, like that's, that's why people come to this podcast, obviously, but it's going to be very, very, and I mentioned this in the song too, it's going to be a lot harder for us when we are back in the UK and England, if they have Joffre back, if, you know, yeah. people like Ollie Pope are playing on their own pitches, Ollie Stone fit and firing, that could be a, a seriously different prospect over there, but you, you got to hope the batting turns around. Yeah, look, absolutely. Really interesting to see how we've gone. And look, as much as I have a crack at England having successive tours of not having a lot of success in Australia, it has been a little while since Australia has outright won an Ashes series in England. Yeah, I a long time. You'd have to go back to 2001 from memory. So, 05, we yeah. obviously lost. 
09, I think, was what? 2 1. Um, yep. 13. Ver- we got 13. I rolled. think we got fairly rolled. Uh, and then 15, we lost 3 2. So, yep. with the last one being a dead rubber. So, you know, both teams clearly have a bit of work to do away from home. And I'm excited. And 19, obviously, we got 2 2. 19 and, was 2 2. Yep. And probably yeah. should have won that, was it not for and one outstanding innings from Ben Stokes and a missed run yeah, out completely. and some overzealous reviewing. <laughs> we learn a lot from that, though, we Chris. We learn a lot. We learn a lot from our overzealous reviewing. We all, there was all yeah. a lot learned well, we, there. We've got quite a conservative reviewing captain now, which is exciting, mm. oddly. It's been. Amazing to watch that, hasn't it, really? Like, Paddy Cummins has actually been a lot more conservative with his use of reviews than Tim Payne was. And I think that's been really interesting, so far at least. And what, what did you make of him as a captain, Bardo? Quick, quick Pat Cummins captaincy review. How did you, what did you think? Well, pretty good on the whole, you've, you've got to say. Didn't get a lot wrong. Um, did a lot right. I think probably the only thing that we criticised throughout the series was probably not declaring soon enough in Sydney and not allowing enough mm. time for the rain. But, you know, there was thinking behind that. And there was method to the madness. Yep. So, that was okay. You know, he's uh, clearly the team gets behind him. You know, there didn't seem to be any issues of discord on the field. Uh, you know, he was able to delegate effectively when he bowled. Uh, that t- uh, Even the test match he missed with, uh, with COVID there, you know, he delegated to Smith. That was all relatively seamless. So I think on the whole we've got to say it was pretty good. You know there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot wrong with with what Pat did. I thought he rotated the bowlers pretty well. Um, you know still yep. uh, used himself frequently. Uh, if anything, uh, probably just his his batting wasn't up to its uh, usual standard. But that's not something I think we can c- criticize the world's best test bowler too much about. <laughs> yeah, agree, mate. And like he had a lot of lovely gestural stuff, which has come out in the last 24 hours. You know, when the team was spraying champagne and getting stoked about raising the urn, he made him stop. So Usman Khawaja could come back as a as a Muslim man and, and stand in there and be mm. a lot more okay with with being in there and, and having the photos taken, which was I thought was a, was a really good yeah. thing to do. Like, obviously that's what you do, but it was just great to see it happen live. The other thing that I loved is footage, a lot of footage, Chris, has been coming out about the after party. And, and safe to say, the, the fellas got pretty pretty annihilated. Um, there's some really good footage of them singing at the Barmy Army, <laughs> the Barmy Army singing at them in Hobart. And uh, Gary Lyon goes to sing the team song, like, you know, at the at this pub in public. And Paddy Cummins just looks at him and on film, just gives him the little, no, mate, just like shakes his head and like goes, no, 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 no. And shuts it down, you know? And even more hilariously, 6.30 in the morning, footage is revealed the next day of uh, Nathan Lyon, Joe Root, Jimmy Anderson, and a couple of other people um, at the hotel at 6.30 in the morning, which is the whole table full of beers, hammered, being asked to leave the premises to go back to bed, um, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, and I think Graham Thorpe is now in trouble for that and might be facing disciplinary action. And a bunch of them might be facing disciplinary action. Yeah. Out of it. Look, not ideal. I think... First of all, no issue with Joe Root and the Australian players and Jimmy Anderson and whoever else was involved having a beer. Not a problem. No worries at all. Uh, I, I thought the it's, it's pretty par for the course that any time there's a noise complaint that uh, the police are called just to settle things down. They responded pretty pretty all right from what you could see, so no, no dramas there. I thought the funniest part was um, it was reported on the news and they sort of said, you know, the following players were um, asked to move on by police 
and they left their half-finished drinks behind. Uh, and I thought that that was the best bit for the whole thing. <laughs> really. The biggest crime was the half-finished drink. Uh, just shows the state yeah. of the nation, really, doesn't it? It absolutely does. Absolutely does. Anyway, um, my friend, should we jump into some Alex Spinks? Should we hear a bit from Spinksy? I think that's uh, a great idea, Pat. All right, let's let's fire him up, folks. I think he's probably going to be pretty stoked with himself. Let me make sure I'm pressing the right button. Oh yeah, he is. You think he'd be doing this for seven years now? Here we go. Hamilton. So I'll use it to move them along. <laughs> you have to say goodbye. If I say goodbye, the nation learns to move on. Hello everyone, and welcome to A Summary by A Sphinx. <laughs> the final men's ashes test in Hobart has come to a close, and Tasmania has upped their total days of seeing ashes cricket in exactly 140 years to three. England decided before a ball was bowled that they weren't going to let happiness and joy creep into their depressing tour down under by electing to keep James Anderson out of the playing 11 just in case he might have accidentally been shown the respect he deserves by an Australian crowd on his last test appearance here. Even if there was a minor injury concern, I believe Anderson with two snapped ACLs would have ran in and bowled harder than Ollie Robinson after the latter had a back spasm on day one caused by practising his golf swing too vigorously between tests. At least we got to see Stuart Broad for quite possibly, but not necessarily one last time. Hold up there, Sphinxy. Yeah, man, I, again, we're coming back to this Telegraph article here um, Sphinxy's talking about. Mm. But how wild's that? Ollie Robinson, who's been out of the team um, due to injury and has got a problem with his shoulder, decided to go and play a day's worth of golf and then yeah. declare himself fit to keep Simon Craig Overton out of the team. Like, that's a pretty pretty dog move there, but uh, Yeah, look, I don't know if it... I don't know if a dog move is, is right. I, I, dumb, sure. Dumb. Yeah. Dumb, sure. Not, not well thought through. You know, I would have thought that your priority would have been rest, recuperation... And a bit of rehab, rehab, you know? The three R's, Chris. The three R's. The three R's. Play 2K PGA, you know? Oh. PGA 2K21. It's a great game. Sensational game. It's a great game. Great game. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like, you can even watch people play 2K PGA20 <laughs> if that was too arduous. There's like Twitch streams of people- Jump on a Twitch stream. Yeah. Of people playing golf, video games. <laughs> There's several layers with which you can enjoy the activity of golf through which you could limit your exposure to injury. You know, that's what that, exactly. that would be my advice. Jump on a Twitch stream. You won't get hurt. <laughs> it's fine. There's no risk to your thumbs because you're just watching. You're not even playing. Just do no that. No problems, Ollie Robinson. Sure. Do that next time. Yeah. Bloody hell. Here we go. Stuart Broad for quite possibly, but not necessarily one last time because, let's face it, Broad only played three tests and was England's second highest wicket taker. England might still need him in 2025. For better or worse, Anderson and Broad have been front and centre for England's attack for about 15 years and have played both pantomime villain and chief destroyer in Ashes cricket over that time. To these two cricketers, I salute you and I bid you farewell. And now, to the fun part. No, 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 no. Sorry. I'm waiting for Nathan Lyon's cover version to come out on Triple J. To the surprise of very few... England were demolished for a fourth time in this series after putting together their best opening partnership all tour. But cometh the hour, cometh the man. 
The green machine stepped forth to play pinball with the English batters' bats and their stumps, inducing two monster chop-ons and a brilliant edge to knock over England's top three, and promptly handed the ball over to Scotty Boland and Pat Cummins to finish the job. Boland then gave greater proof, if proof were needed, that he is actually a Jedi Knight by giving Joe Root the grubberest of all grubbers to effectively roll the ball into the base of off-stump. The exasperated laugh and rictus grin on Joe Root's face at that moment showed that at least he can see the poetry in the ball that effectively summed up his entire series. Hold up there, Spixie. Mate. Yeah, Chris, you gotta feel sorry for Joe Root with that ball from Scotty Boland. It literally went underground. Oh, I mean, Cameron Green yeah. was skilled, but that, that ball was unbelievable. It was just so unlucky. It was one dismissal in the England innings where you just went, yep, you know what? Fair play. What are you gonna do? You know, cop the beauty, unlucky, gotta move on. And to be fair, it was the completely the wrong guy. You know, he didn't, deserve, he didn't deserve that. He really didn't deserve it. You know. Joe, poor guy. It's not like he backed away and showed all three stumps. You know, he just... Oh, yeah. He played a regulation cricket shot, which we would all expect the ball to bounce onto the bat, and it just didn't happen. And it was shades of, um, I think, Greg Blewett back at the, it, the Wacker in 95-96 uh, mm. against the West Indies. Might have been Curtly Ambrose. Copped a very similar delivery. Uh, which uh, also moved about an inch off the ground. <laughs> and I tell you, and look, uh, the expression on his face was just like, you know, screw my life. Like, yeah. <laughs> this, is, yeah. a, this yeah. is it, FML. You know, what are you going to do? Like, what, are you, what are you literally going to do? What are you going to do? So, oh, boy. They could be going home the very next day if they just continued to bat to the best of their ability and bat to the best of their ability they did, losing the last five wickets in seven overs for 23 runs. Pat Cummins was obviously overjoyed to remain undefeated and win his first series as captain, but he will know that batting and bowling lineups made of sterner stuff await on tours to Pakistan and India in the coming months. Mm. And don't Australia feel good about cementing a few project players into the lineup this series? The gentle giant Cameron Green and player of the series because bowlers aren't allowed to win it anymore Travis Head both carried Australia to multiple victories with their exploits. Though he started the series slowly with the bat once more by scoring practically zero runs, Cameron Green found some confidence from behind Usman Khawaja's swagger at the SCG and smoked a few beautiful 70s in the last two tests. Mm. Something Ben Stokes used to do. Oh. Green averages 50.14 in first-class cricket, has played 39 matches and 64 innings for Western Australia, so it's not a small sample size, and he has eight centuries with a high score of 251. Yet, he has spoken about wow. his nerves playing in the Ashes, accompanied with internal questions of if he thinks he belongs in the Test Arena. Cameron, I hope this series is the one you look back on when times get tough, because it showed you belong. And with the ball, oh my, oh, with yeah. the ball... There's reasons he's been compared to the golden boy of cricket himself, Keith Nugget Miller, Australia's greatest all-rounder, and one of the best in history. A fast bowler with a deceptively short run-up for someone who bowls anywhere between 130 to 150 clicks, Green slash New Nugget can York a batter, <laughs> seam and swing the ball in either direction, and can lift the ball up from a length to turn a defendable delivery into one that you need to get the hell out of the way of very quickly. Mm. Just ask Dawid Milan. 
Hopefully Cricket Australia have learned the lessons from Pat Cummins and Mitchell Marsh on how to best keep Green's body functioning and in one piece so we can watch what is potentially one of the great all-time careers play out in front of us. This series has the potential to be the making of Cameron Green and Travis Head. Hopefully, Will Pukowski is practicing his ducking and weaving so we can have a properly settled lineup by year's end. Now, over to the women's ashes to see if the Australian team can dish out another series of thumpings. Although the Poms have an Australian coach in Lisa Keatley, so it's unlikely their selections will be anywhere near as hilarious. Play <laughs> me out, Freddie. Just sensational stuff from the Spinkster there, Pardo. Um, and mate, like, he makes a, as per usual with Spinks, he makes a swathe of excellent points. Mm. And it was sensational to see the true rise of Cameron Green. Um, what an incredible talent, Pardo, we are looking at here. Yeah, absolutely. Both with bat and ball, but particularly with the ball. And I think what's going to be really interesting is what our makeup looks like for Pakistan in the subcontinent. Mm. Because I think what's potentially opened up here is the opportunity to legitimately play a second spinner because we're going to have three seam options. Yeah. So really exciting stuff. Our top six, you know, car- essentially carried, you know, I, I, I think uh, a, a, an extra bowler for the first three matches. But then we saw him relax a little bit, look super dangerous, look uh, Gilchrist-like, I think. In, yeah. in patches. That's Flintoff-esque, I would even say. Flint- it's a bit like Freddy. Flintoff-esque, but, but I think potentially could be better than Flintoff. Yeah, uh, you know, I agree. So, really exciting times for Australian cricket. You know, we've got another, I think we found another piece of the puzzle to help us move to the top uh, of the World Test Rankings once again. You know, it really left me thinking, geez, you know, I would love to have another crack at India, especially now. Yeah. You know, on, yeah. on the back of what we've seen in South Africa. So, who knows? Who knows what that guy can be? But it's going to be fun to watch. He's got, he ended the series, Chris, with a batting average of 32. And when you consider that his first couple of scores were basically all zeros, all ones, or under 10, um, that is a real sensational effort. And and his bowling average, Chris, at the end of the series, for the series at least, was 18. So, yeah. you know, 32 with a bat, 18 with a ball is sensational. Like, Absolutely. that is... And, you know, if he's able to grow and reflect his test, um, his, sorry, his one, his, his first class numbers in his test numbers, I mean, sensational. And you know what else, mate? In the field, the dude's a weapon. Yeah. He's the size of a small house. He's an absolute bloody giant. And he was just grabbing everything in the in the gully. Um, yeah, really exciting. And I think the other thing to think about too is what's his place going to be in the shorter forms of the game? You know, could you potentially see him slotting into our ODI side on a regular basis? You know, and what position does he bat? I think probably bats five or six. Again, you know, you're not going to have to worry about having a legitimate fifth bowler because you're going to have one. It's pretty exciting. And the other part for us as well to think about is is a World Cup next year, 2023. Yeah. Got no idea where it is. Haven't Googled it, I must be honest. (laughs) I think it's here. The um, 2020 World Cup's happening in Australia, I'm pretty sure. 2023 50-over World Cup is what I'm referring to. Oh, sorry. But you're quite sorry, right. Sorry, but you are quite right. We are defending our T20 World Cup crown later this year in a bit of a scheduling anomaly. So does he fit into that side? Yeah. 
I mean, our next games, Chris, are some 2020s against Sri Lanka in Sydney um, that are happening when 11th of Feb is our next game for the men's team. Um, and then we're off to Pakistan for, for two tests. Mm. The sad news is that the test series against New Zealand, sorry, the one-day series against New Zealand has been postponed uh, for a third time running. That just got cancelled today because of New Zealand's uh, updated COVID isolation laws. The team's not going to be able to get back into the country. Um, So that series has been put off for a third year running. This is our third episode talking about a potential one-day series, a 2020 series against the Kiwis, which is, again, being canned. So um, that is disappointing. We'll just have to see what happens there Chris um, it's exciting to think that we'll have some tests and one day is to play against India, uh, Pakistan in Pakistan and of course very exciting to play Sri Lanka in uh, within some 10 2020s but um, a bit disappointing we're not going to get to see the Kiwis one day side and get to see you know Smith versus Wagner and on all of that good yeah. stuff again yeah absolutely very disappointing not to see the Kiwis we do love to play the Kiwis they play the game the right way now, Pat, just one thought that has crept into my brain and, and perhaps one Please. last thought uh, as we bid goodbye to the Test Match summer. You know, Hobart waited 145 years to get an Ashes Test Match mm. and then they produced the greenest green top <laughs> that has ever greened. It looked like you know, a putting green, mate. It, it honestly looked like something out of um, 2K golf. It looks like it looked like what you would expect the Green Lantern to produce if he imagined a p- cricket pitch from his ring. Like, <laughs> it was green. Um, it was crazy. There's a dude on Instagram that I follow who's very funny. Uh, he has an account called The History of Money. If you ever want to learn oh, about, yeah. like, coins and notes and stuff. Anyway, he superimposed a $100 bill onto the <laughs> cricket pitch and they colour matched. Wow. That's how green this pitch was. Wow. So what I don't understand, Pat, is Cricket Tasmania and the Tasmanian government sold this as a great tourism boon for Tasmania. Really important for mm. cricket in Tasmania. But they produced a pitch so green that they got us out out of there in three days. Less than yeah. three days. And not only that, once the game was finished and we had a couple of days spare to have a couple of beers, they sent the police round to shut down the party. <laughs> you got to wonder if they really want it, Chris. You want- You've got to wonder if Tassie really wants it. Do you it really there, want you know? it? Do you really want us there? You know, I don't know. You would have thought you know. if they really wanted it, they would have put some real brown grass on that wicket. They would have kept it covered, made that grass nice and thatchy and dye and... You know, yeah. hard, real draw pitch, you know, real you know, early 2000s MCG pitch, you know. Exactly, exactly. That thing should have been at risk of losing its test rating. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Instead, the greenest seam rating it's ever seen. Uh, but uh, any, I'd love to get just a couple of things that come to your mind when you think about this test series, like looking back on it and how far we've travelled, you know, to consider that before the Gabba, we had Tim Payne, we had the sexting scandal, um, we had, you know, rushed in, we had COVID overarching it, we had, uh, you know, English press saying that this was going to be the year that they were going to get some wins in Australia. I mean, looking back on it, mate, what's what's some things that stand out to you? Yeah, look, I think the first thing to say is I hope that the whole, um, you know, sexting thing is not swept under the rug and, you know, that we go through a thorough process there and that all parties are treated fairly. Uh, and, and yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't think that 
winning cures a lot of things and winning can sweep a lot of things under the rug. But I think that, uh, you know, welfare in the workplace is such an important issue and affects everybody involved. So I think that's the first thing to say is hopefully that uh, people aren't forgotten and that we that we yeah. go through a, a thorough process here and, and deal with it. So that's the first thing. In terms of things from the series that I will remember, look, one thing I wanted to acknowledge was also Mark Wood's six for 37. So yeah. he was sensational. He was sensational. He looks really good. So I think that that's something for England to end you know, on a high. You know, I think they've clearly uncovered some bowling talent. I think they similarly have uh, some uh, pace bowling depth. And I think that that's probably going to be what this series is remembered for, is that pace bowling depth. And in particular, the uncovering of some emerging superstars like uh, Jai Richardson. You know, the mm. finally guys like Nisa and Boland getting their opportunity and taking that opportunity and looking really good. Yeah. You know, we could put two pace attacks out there and take on any team in the world. So I think that that's primarily what we'll remember this series for. You know, for me, the other critical moments uh, was also the redemption arc of some of our uh, lesser lights in, in the batting. You know, at the start of the series, we're talking about Usman Kawaja or Travis Head, you know, and somehow mm. they managed to make room for each other. So, yeah, you know, that's a really exciting thing. And, and you know, and Travis Head down, Travis Head, Travis Head's uh, century down in, in Hobart on day one of the test, mate, was so amazing. Like Absolutely. that was under incredibly difficult circumstances. And he, it was those, one of those rare innings where a cricketer comes out and he's, who's so in form that he makes it look f- incredibly easy when what he's doing is, is next to impossible on that, on that pitch particularly. Yeah. And did it twice. Did it twice. Came out an incredibly, yeah. di- what were we, three for 12? Yeah. You know, it came out in incredibly difficult circumstances in Hobart. So clearly we've got a guy with not only talent, but character. And that's exciting because, you know, we've uh, not had the most solidified top six uh, in recent years. So, totally. you know, there's, there's starting to be some, again, some depth there in the batting, which is, which is great. You know, I, I thought Alex Carey's performances were, were really good. Um, yeah. You know, four years ago when we talked about looking back on the 2017-18 Ashes, we talked about this being the Summer of Smith. Um, mm. That was the Summer of Smith. You know, this has almost been the, the Summer of collapses hasn't it you know yeah wow i think that that's probably what we'll remember this series for is just so many collapses but the the number one collapse of all time has to be scotty boland taking six for seven uh, at the oh. mcg build the man a statue chris build the man a bloody statue well but i, I usually i would just respond to you and, and talk to you about some of the things that i really enjoyed about this test um but this year i'm doing something a little different i, I did lose this bet with tom and I have made a song to sum up my feelings, Chris. I've made a song to sum up my feelings of this test and to give a nice review and rap on it. And um, you might recognize the track that I've used and uh, how I've manipulated it. And it's it's entitled, We Rolled the Poms, um, in brackets, easy like a Sunday evening. And um, you can feel free to sing along at home if you'd like. Here we go. Sounds funny, but we beat England so bad <laughs> That they're leaving the country tomorrow Oh no 
Seems to me, man, you know we did all we can To take wickets, make runs, and roll them Oh yeah, and did we roll them or what, huh? That's why it's easy When in the ashes on a Sunday evening That's why it's easy When in the ashes on a Sunday evening Why would anybody in the world Play leech at the Gabba? Poor guy got hit into next week Travis hit them in the stand, Scotty Boland had us on our feet, yeah. Gotta build that man a statue. Or oh, maybe two. Or three. Think about it. Why not? That's why it's easy. Winning the ashes on a Sunday evening. That's why it's easy When in the ashes on a Sunday evening Sometimes things that get tough They nearly snatched a game or two But every time things got rough Well, England's hopes they badly fell through Jimmy got some poles, besto, made a ton, nearly two. Wood steamed in, Crawley kind of made it, but in the end, they're just really bad at cricket, like genuinely <laughs> really bad at it. Play lawn balls, darts, oh yeah, guitar solo. Yeah. It's nearly as good as Ozzy making two tons in the same test. Jai Richardson getting five. Cam Green averaging 33 with the bat and 18 with the ball. Starkey bowling burns with the first ball of the series. That's why it's easy. Winning the ashes on a Sunday evening. That's why it's easy. Winning the ashes on a Sunday evening. We smash the ball. Winning the ashes is really easy. When you get them out ten for fifty. But it's gonna be harder in England. How long does this go for? This is the end. <laughs> this is longer than a Hobart test. See you in two years, TK. Enjoy, my friend. We'll be back. And it will be significantly more difficult when we're at Edgebaston again. <sighs> there you go, Chris. That's my full series wrap.
very thorough. <laughs> Comprehensive. I mean, uh, probably the key change is a little much. In fact, the whole song's a little much, but there you go. I, I was in the shower the other day being like, what am I going to do about this song? And then easy um, winning the ashes on a Sunday evening just hit me like a freight train, but uh, very good, Pat. Yeah, that was <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> I'm happy for you. I nearly put an applause track in at the end because I was just so <laughs> sure you were going to sledge me about it. <laughs> and I was like, should I put in my own applause track? And I was like, no, Chris will sledge me more for putting in my own applause track <laughs> if I just yeah. let it happen. Look, hey, man, it's a song. And you put it together. Well done, you. Very good. <laughs> that's the that's the reinforcement I needed. Um Buddy, I think we might be back in a week or two. I think mm. I'd like to check in with Heidi Cheadle um, and chat to her about after these women's T20s. And uh, we should definitely get together and chat again uh, towards the end of Feb um, and talk about the old series coming up with Sri Lanka. So it might be yeah. it might be around then. Yep, I'm excited. If I can grab you to get in and chat to me and Heidi about these Women's Ashes series, I would love to, but I know the next couple of weeks looks pretty hectic for you, mate. So we might play it by ear to see when we can get you on the show. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, you know. Got to do the bills paying. Somebody's got to keep a roof over your head over there, Chris. That's Somebody's got to right. keep your beautiful dog in, in, in dog food. It's That's what's going to happen. 44 degrees, Pat. Oh, Jesus. It's too hot. It's too hot. It's too hot. It's too hot. Um, mate, go jump in an ice bath in a cold shower. And uh, thanks so much, mate. I really enjoyed covering this series with you. You're an absolute superstar. Uh, you're a legend, Pat. Always a good time. Thanks, Bardo. Catch you real soon. None is created and presented by Patrick Cullen and Chris Barty. Big thanks to Tom Hawkey, Alex Spinks and Heidi Cheadle, as well as Chris Barty for joining me on the show. We Are the Champions was by Queen, 1977, off News of the World. Hamilton is by Lin-Manuel Miranda, uh, Atlantic Music, 2015. Easy by The Commodores, 1977, Capital Music. And finally, we had clips from Triple M's broadcast of this Ashes series. All clips and music is used in conjunction with our APRA AMCOS online mini license, OL2028. Hey, make sure you check us out on Facebook, and you can always email us at gingersnapsydney at gmail.com. Especially if you'd like to be our West Indies or Bangladesh correspondent. Two for None is produced by Ginger Snap Productions. Check out our other show, The Isocast, in your podcatcher. And make sure you like, rate, review, and subscribe to all our podcasts, especially this podcast. Tell a friend or a cricket fan about this podcast. And we'll be back next week to preview the first Women's Ashes Test and wrap up the three T20s. In the meantime, go those on Go those on